All right, on to our next discussion now. We talked about this briefly yesterday. Vaccines have now been approved for use in Alberta, right? Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people booked appointments yesterday to get their kids vaccinated. Now, when we talk about vaccination for kids, we talk about choice. That's what our premier is saying. We want it to be the choice. We're not going to extend the restriction exemption program. We talk about choice, but whose choice? The parent's choice, right? Ultimately, I mean, that's what, when it comes down to it, you need to have somebody making the decision. And, you know, in this country, in most countries, it's it's the parents, guardians who make these choices. But do we completely ignore the kids and what they think and what they want? And what does that do for us and for them? And, you know, maybe it's something we need to take a look at. So we're going to chat now with Sydney Campbell, who is a PhD candidate in the Institute of Health Policy Management and Evaluation at the University of Toronto. She works with a group called Voice Childhood Ethics Program at McGill University. Sydney, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Shay. You know, I, when we take a look at this, you know, like the vaccine approval is the latest example during the pandemic. And we talk all about choice, but again, it's not the kid's choice. Can it be, though? I mean, when we talk about how we handle kids and these kinds of issues, ultimately somebody has to have the choice. But can we do a better job of including the kids in the process? Yes, I think we can. And this is not to say that child-specific issues themselves have been overlooked, but in many ways, young people themselves, within the decision-making processes in Canada, like you said, with the vaccine at the current moment, um, they have been overlooked. Um, and I think that... You know, in the the processes where we're setting priorities on policy agendas, we could do a lot better of a job at ensuring that young people themselves are at these tables, um, engaging with policy makers, decision makers on how to implement strategies and what their values are. Yeah. How do we do that? That's the question that I have, because, I mean, you know, we, we are dealing with children here. So how do we include them? How do we get them involved in these kinds of discussions? How do we do a better job of that? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of organizations, amazing organizations in Canada specifically that are, um, you know, their mandate is to work on supporting children and ensuring that space is made for them to have a seat at the table and to share their voices because children, you know, they have voices themselves. So we're not giving them voices, but just amplifying the voices that they have. Um, and, you know, so engaging with those community organizations um, working with ministers, ministries, and decision makers to ensure that you know children are engaged very early in the process. Um, I think that that's an important important point to make because a lot of these decisions are urgent, and I don't think that you know it's intentional to cast young people aside. But when we start prioritizing engaging young people earlier, then it doesn't become an extra step to have to develop strategies. It just becomes part of what's um, what's, you know, original. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. That's the way that it works. What have we heard from kids about the situation going through COVID, going through the pandemic? Um, Have have they felt overlooked? Have you had a chance to, you know, get some reaction from uh, youth in terms of the way they feel they've been considered or not Mm -hmm. considered? Mm -hmm. Yes. So in the research with the Voice Childhood Ethics team at Miguel that I'm part of, we're working with young people and their families to learn about their experiences in the pandemic and also to consider what actions they think should be taken to mitigate those concerns. And we've heard from young people that in a lot of ways they feel that they've had to give up a lot of their routines, um, interests for, for the sake of their families and themselves. 
um, but nothing has really been given back to them. And I think with the delayed, um, delayed, I'll put in quotation marks because, you know, it was done for safety reasons, but with the longstanding vaccine approval, um, young people were feeling left out and that they couldn't really move forward with pandemic recovery um, because of that. And then when we look internationally, there's a lot of evidence um, from a lot of very large studies. One of the biggest studies is called COVID under 19, where 26,000 children from 137 countries have spoken about their experiences and really feeling left out. So um, I think young people have voiced these concerns and it's just now a matter of how we implement strategies very early to ensure that they're heard and meaningfully engaged. What do they report in terms of the impact of feeling overlooked, not being engaged, not being considered? What kind of an impact does that have on youth? Mm -hmm. So they've said that in a lot of ways, they think that the strategies that have been developed by the government um, or by large institutions have not really met their needs. So, you know, with, for example, one, one thing I can think of is with school strategies um, and at-home schooling that was experienced early in the pandemic and for some still is being experienced now. Um, a lot of the strategies with accessing technology at home um, were challenging. And if young people were engaged, they felt that they could work with government to say, here's what we need and here's how we think you can support us. Um, so I think they've kind of um, indicated that there's a lot more that could be done. Interesting. Uh, good stuff. Thanks so much, Sydney. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Shay. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. That's Sydney Campbell, who is a, a PhD candidate in the Institute of Health Policy at the University of Toronto. She also works with a group called Voice Childhood Ethics Program at McGill University in Montreal.